bite-sized birthday biography podcast. I'm your host, Hannah Mira. This is a podcast which shines a spotlight on a person born on this day at some point in history somewhere in the world who made a positive lasting impact. Today, November 1st, we're going to celebrate the birth and life of Rose Vallan, the greatest heroine of World War II. She was born on this day in 1896. I got to tell you, today was a bitter sweet one for me. On one hand, this woman is one of the most badass, one of the most unsung, one of the most heroic women I have ever learned about. On the other hand, it's kind of a sad one for me because I first learned about her on a Drunk History episode. I was immediately sucked in by her story told by the incredible Tiffany Haddish. And while I was coming up with the idea for my podcast, my ultimate goal was to one day be on a Drunk History episode. That would have just been like the cherry on this year-long cake. But right after I started the podcast, Comedy Central made their biggest mistake to date, and they did not renew this incredible, hilarious show. Such a poor decision on their part, and Derek Waters, wherever you are, I would still love to work with you one day. Just putting that out into the world. I also wanted to tell you guys about a change in the show moving forward. So up until now, there has been an episode a day. And when I started this podcast, uh, and I believe I mentioned that I'm also a teacher, I was not back in the classroom. Now I am, and I'm finding it is not possible for me to be the best teacher for my students and produce a daily show. It breaks my heart, and I would love to do this full time, but unfortunately, I got to eat. So I'm going to have to shift the format of the show uh, because it is what I need to do for myself and my family and my students. So moving forward, we're still going to have a post every day about a human in history on our Instagram page. However, there's only going to be some that will be chosen for episodes. I promise you at least one episode a week on the person's birthday, and some weeks there will be two or three. And as always, if you have someone that you want to nominate for the show, please send me a message at humans underscore in underscore history on Instagram. So let's talk about Rose. Rose was born in Isère, France to a family led by a blacksmith father. The family was of pretty humble means and Rose was given a scholarship to an école normale or a school for people to learn how to be teachers. She had intended to be an art teacher upon graduation, and she ended up studying at École Nationale des Beaux-Arts de Lyon. She was very gifted, and upon completion of her degree in 1922, she was actually accepted into École Nationale Supérieure des Beaux-Arts in Paris. She then took a post as a high school art teacher, then followed it up with studies at École de Louvre, receiving a special diploma there and the University of Paris. So upon completing graduate studies at the Collège de France, she was just way too qualified to teach high school anymore, so she accepted a post as a volunteer assistant curator at the Jeux de Pomme Museum in 1932. So June 14, 1940, Parisian citizens wake up to the sound of German voices on loudspeakers. They were officially occupied. For a few months, Rose's work at the museum was undisturbed, but then in October, the Nazis took over the museum and made it into a sorting house for the Einstab Reichsleiter Rosenberg, the ERR, which was basically this Nazi art looting organization created by Adolf Hitler. You remember Hitler, right? The failed artist that decided to switch career paths and move on to genocide? Well, he had this idea that all of the most beautiful works of art in the world would be in one grand museum to him, called it the Führer Museum, that was being designed in his home country of Austria. He wanted all the art that was not degenerate, meaning made by Jews or gays, in his museum, and all degenerate art he wanted burned. It wasn't bad enough that he wanted to hurt people, he had to hurt history too. 
So the museum becomes the Fuhrer's ferret cage, and the SS are just dragging in every painting and sculpture and treasure that they have stolen from private collectors, Parisian Jews, and churches and other museums, and filling the Jus de Pomme. Realizing what was happening, and more frighteningly what was about to happen, Jacques Jajard, the director of all French museums, made Rose an official curator and ordered her to stay at the museum no matter what to keep track of all the art that was coming in. Rose was perfect for this role. She was kind of mousy looking, glasses, hair always in a bun, plain dress, so she kind of faded into the background. And Rose also, in a brilliant move, pretended that she didn't understand German. So the SS spoke freely around her about the origins and destinations of all the pieces they were hoarding, which she kept immaculate notes on. Nazi Reichsmarschall and human piece of garbage, Hermann Goring made at least 20 trips to the museum to shop for his villa and to peruse for the Führer Museum. Rose not only eavesdropped on the Nazis' conversations, but she also talked with guards and the people packing the pieces and driving them to various other locations. And all this information was being smuggled out to Jojard and the French resistance. All of this she was doing, by the way, at her peril, because at this point, the Nazis just thought that she was a simple-minded complicit. If they thought for a second that she was a spy, she would have been shot on the spot. And there were a few occasions when a member of the SS came dangerously close to finding her out. It wasn't until after the war that Rose found out that she had actually been considered kind of suspect by some of the SS, and once they had emptied the museum, they were planning on having her exported and shot. There would be over 20,000 pieces of stolen art that came through the museum during the four years that Rose maintained this dangerous game. Aside from hiding the fact that she understood German and was working with the French resistance, she also had to hide her disgust at the cigar-chomping, champagne-guzzling Goring, coming and going as he pleased, pretending to be an art connoisseur and lording over the looted art of murdered Jews. But the Nazis didn't just store paintings, they also destroyed them. Pieces that contained Jewish subjects or topics or were made by Jewish artists or were considered to be pornographic were rounded up, slashed with knives, and then taken to massive heaps outside the museum and burned. Rose had to watch silently as 600 pieces were set ablaze, including works by Picasso. These were just some of the amazing pieces of art that were stolen, lost, or destroyed during the war, including Raphael's Portrait of a Young Man, Van Gogh's Painter on His Way to Work, Gustav Klimt's Philosophy, Rembrandt's An Angel with Titus's Features, and Degas' Five Dancing Women. Finally, 1944 rolls around, and by August, it's pretty evident that the Nazis are on their last legs, and the liberation of Paris is imminent. On August 1st, Rose overheard that the head of the ERR, Baron Kurt von Baer, was planning on moving all of the art, or as much as he could, out of the museum onto trains and hoarding it away in private homes and warehouses and mines in Germany. Within 24 hours, 967 paintings were crammed into 148 crates, which were loaded onto five train cars, waiting to be attached to 48 more train cars full of stolen furniture and personal possessions. In these boxcars were priceless pieces by Degas, Cezanne, Gauguin, Picasso, Toulouse-Lautrec, Modigliani, and many others. Thankfully, though, due to a concerted effort by the French resistance and the French people's love of going on strike, the train never left the station. First, the remaining 48 cars of stolen goods were taking forever to be packed up, recorded, and shipped over. That gave Rose time to get a list of the train cars, what was in them, and where they were going to Jajard, who passed on the info to the resistance. The trains couldn't leave Paris because even if they didn't make it to their final destination, they ran the risk of being bombed. So it wasn't until the 10th of August that the train was actually assembled and packed and ready to go. 
And then the railway workers went on strike, like they do. And it would take two days to get the tracks cleared. And even then, they still couldn't move because the trains full of fleeing Germans and their stolen loot were fleeing, and they took priority over art being moved out. Finally, the 53-car-long train started moving, and it made it out of the Auberville train station on the northeast side of Paris and as far as the Le Bourget train station, 11 miles away, before breaking down. It took the Nazis two days to fix the train, which gave the resistance time to derail multiple other trains up ahead, blocking train 40044 in for good. And at this point, most of the escorting Nazis just said to hell with it and fled, while a few sort of hung out, not sure where else to go. The 2nd Armored Division of the French Army arrived in Paris, and a group of soldiers, led by Lieutenant André Rosenberg, were sent to investigate the cars. André had a special connection to this, as his father was the world-renowned art dealer Paul Rosenberg, who was also the representative of Picasso and Matisse. When the crates were unpacked, André recognized many pieces as having been stolen from the walls of his father's home. Sadly, the Nazis had pillaged two crates of art and taken every piece of stolen silver before they took off. It was ordered then that 36 of the crates be sent to the Louvre for safekeeping, but transportation for the remaining crates didn't happen for two months, during which time more pieces went missing or were damaged due to exposure to the elements. When the Allied forces invaded Paris, Rose was assumed to be a Nazi collaborator and she was arrested. Gégard had to vouch for her resistance work and then she was let go. Probably suffering from PTSD at this point, Rose was terrified to trust anyone with the information that she had risked her life for every day for the last four years. She trusted no one with these works and their locations as looting was rampant, even among Allied troops. This was literally the history of France that she was protecting. It took months of Captain Jane Roromir of the Monuments, Fine Arts, and Archives program's gentle perseverance before Rose trusted him enough to share her notes. Her careful documentation led the Allies to the castle of Neuschwanstein in the Bavarian Alps, where 20,000 pieces of stolen art were found. The artwork came back to the museum, with Rose overseeing the 1,400 crates during transportation, where the process of figuring out what goes where and what needs to be returned to whom, assuming they were still alive, took place. Rose's immaculate notes would help reunite most of the works with their rightful owners. In order to give her more freedom of movement in the country, more authority and more assistance, she was made a captain in the Free French Army, working in Germany for eight years to retrieve the pieces and artifacts stashed away in various SS villas and museums. She testified at the Nuremberg trials coming face-to-face with Goring and calling him out for all the pieces he had stolen, which, when recovered from his house, totaled over $200 million worth of art. In 1946, the French Oversight Board put her in charge of all fine arts activities, and she would go on to help the Allies recover over 60,000 stolen works of art. In 1953, when she returned to France, she was made a conservator of the French National Museum Board and awarded copious honors, including the Legion of Honor, Commander of the Order of the Arts and Letters, and the Medal of the Resistance. In the U.S., she was given the Medal of Freedom, and even Germany awarded her the Officer's Cross of the Order of Merit, guess that's the least they could do. Rose retired in 1968, but continued to consult on French restitution matters. She spent the remainder of her years living a quiet, happy life with her partner, Joyce Here, an interpreter for the U.S. Embassy. Joyce died in 1977 from breast cancer. Rose died three years later on September 18, 1980, at age 81. She was buried in her hometown. There have been streets and central squares named after her in France, and her face was put onto a stamp. There's been quite a few books written about her, and Kate Blanchett's character Claire Simone in the movie Monuments Men was based on Rose. 
To date, there are still about 100,000 pieces of looted art that remain unaccounted for. Whether they were burned, lost, bombed to bits, tucked away in a mine shaft or a Swiss bank vault or are on the wall of an apartment, only time will tell. My sources today were Wikipedia, Drunk History, the Monuments Men Foundation, and The Collector. Thank you so much for joining me for our birthday celebration of Roseveland. Please join me on November 5th when we celebrate the birth and life of Ida Tarbell, the muckraking journalist who took on Standard Oil and brought down the Rockefeller Empire. See you then.